Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to PWGC's Environmental Echo Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Boyce, CEO and President of PWGC. And again, as always, we're bringing an awesome topic to you. And no surprise with us, we, we love this topic. It's something that's near and dear to our heart, and it's going to be geothermal. And in particular today, we've got uh, Dandelion Energy, who are based out of Mount Kisco, New York, upstate, and I've got two fine gentlemen from that from that organization with me to uh, discuss, you know, geothermal and a lot of it, it's closed loop systems and how it relates to maybe residential, commercial. I think you guys will all find interesting. Uh, what I do want to say is, I always say is, when we kick this off, if you guys need to get a hold of us, would like to get a hold of us, best way to do so is through our website, which is www.pwgrocer.com/podcast. If there's any questions, comments, suggestions, or thoughts that you guys would like to share with us, please reach out through us that way. And as always, we'll get back to you in a, in a most responsive manner through our, through our marketing guys and myself, if need be. So we look forward to hearing from everyone. But uh, with no further ado, I just want to mention who our guests are today. To, uh, we've got Wyatt Roberts, who's the Senior Director of Business Development at uh, Dandelion Energy. And we've also got Ryan Sarda who is a principal engineer over there. And I'll let these guys uh, just inform you a little bit about uh, themselves before we hop into this. Uh, White, would you care to say a few things? Thanks, Paul. Uh, Yeah, I've been um, working in residential construction for the last 30 years and for the last four years uh, with Dandelion on bringing geothermal technology to production builders on a residential and commercial scale, uh, trying to mass deploy the most efficient heating and cooling that humanity has ever come up with. Outstanding. Ryan, how about yourself? Yeah. Uh, as principal engineer at Dandelion, my time in the company, I've mostly been in, involved or charged with design engineering standardization, right? Uh, in our mission, you know, bringing widespread adoption to, to GL, we believe that a lot of that comes through standardizing the approach, making your process and your design repeatable. Um, you know, spent the entirety of my 20 year career in the geothermal heat pump industry and and really just waiting for its day in the sun. And I feel like we're, we're getting close. The time is here. There's a lot of great momentum in the industry. A lot of people know what it is or asking about it. There's a lot of policy support rebates and, 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 and a lot of good stuff going on right now. There sure is. And just, you know, along with you guys, I've been doing geothermal systems since the late nineties. All right. So I don't want to date myself too much, but it's been about 25 years since I worked on my first system uh, it happened to be an open loop, and we started out, you know, as a, as a groundwater hyd- hydrogeology and, and water resources company, so we knew wells, and, you know, we got into it that way. But over the last, I'd say, I don't know, 10 years or so, it's really gotten more focused on the closed loop systems. Um, there's a lot of advantages to them. There may be some, you know, disadvantages compared to the open loop, too, but uh, as far as they go, they're, they're more or less bulletproof compared to the open loop. Um, so with that said, why don't we get into the topic, and... Um, First thing I'd like to do for our listeners and viewers is, you know, tell us a little bit about Dandelion. You know, um, you know somebody asked me, how did they get the name? You know, that sort of thing. I, I, I don't know. That's a good question. We've been working with these guys for the last couple of years, and it's, it's all been positive experiences. Um, but the company itself, you know, how long has it been around? You know, how did it start? You know, what's, what's the mission? What's the focus? You know, and I'd love to hear how we came up with Dandelion. Yeah, um, well, I have a take on that. I think I'll kick that to Ryan, though, because he happens to be employee one. So he has been here since uh, the very beginning and uh, and might be able to give you a great uh, just quick history on that. Not, not quite employee one, but but close to it, yep. right? Um, and actually, the company name was chosen before I joined. But um, I think that the general idea was, you know, we want Geo in every home, 
in every yard. Everybody knows about it, right? Uh, and you think about somebody's yard, what is in there? It's a dandelion, right? It's like ubiquitous. Ubiquitous. I can't even say that word. It's, how do you say that? Ubiquitous. You ubiquitous. Got you got it. You got it. Um, you know, with everybody's yard, you see dandelions everywhere. So, And that's the mission. That's what we're trying to achieve. So we're trying to put geothermal in every residential home, like a chicken in every pot, huh? I love it. That's right. Uh, guys, uh, you got to convince my wife we got to do it and rip up the backyard. All right? I'm, I want to do it. <laughs> I'm surprised to hear that you don't have it. Uh, it's <laughs> so. it's coming. It's just it's been a lot of work done at the house and to undo things. <laughs> like to put some drill rigs back there would be uh, a little difficult, but we'll, we'll talk about it. You'll have to text me her number. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, so how long has the company been in existence for? Founded in 2017, so relatively young. Um, We've installed, to date, more than 1,700 heat pumps across 1,400 homes in a very concentrated, small service territory. We're we're on pace to install around 1,000 this year. So, Just this year alone? Just this year. So I, I, I think it's fair to say that we're the largest residential geothermal installer in the country, probably. As far as I know, you are. I mean, is with the guys that we work with, and we're glad to work with you guys on a, on a routine basis now. So, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I don't I don't think there's anyone larger in, that, in terms of capacity and drilling equipment and everything else now. So and I know you work with some of the local guys down here in Long Island, too. So it's it's been a pleasure. Yeah, we, um, we work with a... Um, mix of trade partners, uh, but mostly vertically integrated with most of our capacity. And it's worth noting all those heat pumps that Ryan just mentioned, the bulk of them are in New York State. Uh, we also have warehouses in Connecticut and Massachusetts, so yeah, northeast so, specific. So we're going to say like the New England area, New York. Yep. Have we gone into Pennsylvania, New Jersey yet? We've been looking at it. Uh, we're waiting for policy to catch up with okay. our goals there. Okay. So. so what are the principal services you guys provide? Um, well, we uh, offer full turnkey geothermal design and installation. Um, the bulk of our business to date has been uh, residential retrofit, so B2C, uh, turnkey, soup to nuts, uh, full system. We handle everything, including all the rebates and administrative work, as well as uh, system design and, and put the ground loops in and install the heat pumps. Um, so we do it all. And you handle the permitting aspects, you handle, uh, you help with the in- rebates and tax credits and incentives and all that stuff? We do all of that. We actually um, apply for and receive the rebates directly, so we don't put that onto the homeowner. So that expense comes right off the top line for them with our systems. Fantastic. Yep. It's a one-stop shop. Yep, absolutely. So we try to be, yeah. All right. Has there, I mean, I, I'm not trying to change your business model here, but I, I keep trying to egg you guys into the commercial market. Has there been any talk about any of those, maybe some smaller systems? And I, we're looking at some really big ones with you right now. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's interesting that you asked. That's, um, that's definitely on the horizon. And uh, my role and the work that Ryan and I do together is specifically about new channels and new business. So um, we have 160 employees and the retrofit business runs very well without further business development. They have a nice sales team and pretty mature organization. So our job is to open up those new opportunities. Um, we're working within our service territory as well as outside of it in other areas across the country with uh, large-scale production builders and uh, and with you on some of these test holes for some of these commercial jobs. So it's we definitely have our eye on the prize, and, and that's what Ryan and I are tasked with doing for Dandelion here. Well, besides just retrofits, I know you guys are into new construction too, so from the, from the ground up. Right. Absolutely. We're yep. About to in- hopefully engage in a fairly large project or 
Oh boy. Yeah. A <laughs> hundred plus new, new units. Yep. And that's right in our wheelhouse. So terrific. It's terrific. The, it's really the best time to, to think about putting geo in your home is when it's brand new. Oh yeah. You need to put something in, might as well go geo pay a little bit extra on the front side, but capture some rebates and incentives and you know, save a bunch of money in the long run. Well, that's, this is, you, you're teeing me up for our next topic here, you know? So what are the advantages of using, uh, you know, ge- utilizing geothermal technology to, to meet these residential heating and cooling needs versus, you know, the more traditional methods where oil and gas fired burners or, you know, electric air condition, you know, the, the big wall mounted or the ground mounted air conditioning units. What are the true savings here? What's the, what's, what's the benefits? Uh, well, I mean, the benefits cover a lot of different spectrums. There's financial benefits, um, and those are clear cut. Uh, there is no less expensive heating and cooling system to own. So once this system is installed, uh, the cost of ownership of your home is cheaper than it's ever been. Um, the, the cost of heat and cool houses in New York State is most people's second biggest home expense be after their mortgage. And uh, we can often cut that as much as 70 or 80 percent when Why you're looking I, at old I will systems. Uh, when that bill from the guy, I get, I have oil. When I get that bill every other month or in the winter or whatever it is, my hands start shaking when I <laughs> pull it out of the mailbox. So yep. I, 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 I 100% agree with that. Yeah. I mean, we found in New York State very consistently with oil uh, today, the ROI on a dandelion geothermal system tends to be less than five years. Oh, you've, so. you've beaten to me. I've got all these questions lined up, and I was going to ask, you know, what's the, the usual payback on these things, you know? But if you're doing, like, an oil system or gas or, you know, but if you're doing five years with oil, that's, that's, that's hard to <laughs> it's, it's, it's a no, hard to overlook. Yeah, if you have the ability, you know, if, if you have forced air heating and cooling now, uh, you know, oil and propane, the ROI will be five years or less even in some cases. So that's a financial benefit. Um, and then there's also the environmental benefit. You're uh, reducing your emissions, you know, depending on what you're replacing, somewhere between 40 and 70%. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very significant. Um, and then there's the health and safety benefits. You're removing fossil fuel and open burner from your home. And uh, there's been a lot of news lately about how much indoor air contamination and pollution that leads to and health issues. So it's a cleaner, safer, less expensive to own home. No carbon monoxide, right? None. Don't even have to worry about it. Yep. And and then on top of that, you're uh, you you have removed the biggest barrier to full electrification, which I think most of us have um, are realizing is kind of the the next wave and what we're going to do as we as we as a society manage the climate crisis. So, all right. So so Ryan, as the engineer, you know, um, a lot of homes they can either be heating dominant or cooling dominant. Um, and just for our listeners, you know, that means dominant. Obviously, it's, it's going to require a lot more energy for cooling. Or if it's heating dominant, we need a lot more energy to heat the place. How do we achieve balanced loads? H- how do we go about sizing a system where we may have a, a fairly, you know, I, I think most homes it's relatively balanced, but occasionally you do run to something. You know, we've had some co- clients out in the, in the Hamptons who, you know, they don't typically use the house in the winter that much. It may be a second home or a vacation home, summer home. And so the air conditioning load is far out exceeds, you know, the heating. What do you do? Yeah, I, th- I think it's a great question. I think probably the most important thing is to fully understand the building, fully understand how it's going to be used, right? Um, any sort of imbalance like that, it's, you know, while it can be a problem if you don't account for it, right? Uh, so long as you do and you design to that, you'll be just fine. The system will work as expected over the life 
right? Um, very efficient and you get all the savings that you promised on the front end, uh, but you just have to know how to account for it. And that's really the, the secret sauce in the engineering world is, is to know how to do that. Well, we've, we've had, you know, just a, a personal experience. I was one of our clients, uh, I won't say who, but it was a large commercial system. And it was, uh, I believe it was heating dominant, and it drove the, the bore field temperature, you know, <laughs> way down to the point where it really lost efficiency and it wasn't working to, you know, um, you know, subsequent winters when it needed to get heat, it wouldn't heat to the facilities like it needed to. So we had to come in and troubleshoot this, and it ultimately ended up that the, the, the wharf field was originally undersized. So we had to recommend putting in more loops and things like that. But, you know, I, I think it's important to avoid that up front. It just avoids frustrations, additional costs, remobilizations, uh, redesigns, and everything else. It's You're exactly right. It's way more expensive to, to fix after yep. the fact, right? You want to get it right on the front end, and that's the, Im- the importance of proper engineering, proper design from the start. All right. So, guys, um, and we, we've talked about this a little bit, um, but maybe before the podcast started, but, you know, let's say in the last 10 years, you know, the growth of the industry here, you know, what's driving it, where are we headed with it, you know, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I think Ryan spoke to it. He's kind of been waiting a long time in the tall grass for geo to become mainstream. And um, right now, I think we're at the the real convergence of when that's going to start happening, Uh the work that we're doing, you know, part of it is to drive the cost down. This used to be the domain of luxury high-end homes only, and um, and now it's accessible um, through a combination of a few things, obviously scaling and just driving costs that way, but also the uh, the government and utility incentives have, um, have really stepped in to help bring this to the mainstream more quickly because, the, you know, regulators and policymakers are realizing that this is a major tool in our battle against climate change and one of the lowest hanging pieces of fruit we have to uh, reduce our carbon footprint as a, as, you know, in society. So a combination of awareness, um, you know, advancements in drilling technology, being able to drive down just the true business costs mixed with the incentive landscape have made this uh, an, a really positive time for geothermal. And I think we're on the precipice of of it taking off. You guys keep leading me into my next questions. You beat me to them. It's like, you know, what do we do to drive down the cost? What do we get this to be more upfront capital competitive with, you know, installing an oil burner or a gas burner or, you know, the conventional HVAC systems? You know, you said drilling. Are there any advancements in that lately or what? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, here at Dandelion, we just brought on board our 13th, uh, and it'll be 14 by summertime, Kamakio uh, drill rig. It's a uh, small track-mounted drill rig. It's designed to gain uh, access in really tight spaces. Uh, they're less expensive. They're easier to operate at a, on a residential scale. Um, and by vertically integrating that right into our company, rather than outsourcing at various layers, we've been able to bring cost of drilling down quite a bit. And I think as you, I mean, as you clearly know, uh, once the bore field is in, the heat exchanger is installed and properly designed, it's essentially just conventional HVAC. So the, the cost of the remaining equipment and installation is very comparable to anything that anyone would, would be conventionally putting in. So um, for us, it's really about driving down the, you know, making it less complex to install the bore field and, and thereby driving down costs. So and I know a lot of the questions we get is, well, what does this cost? You know, so let's just say it's a typical homeowner might have a 2,000 or 3,000 square foot home. You know, maybe they have the... You know, air, the duct work is already in place for forced air, you know. 
what what's a is it like forty grand? Is it fifty grand? What what, do you, what are the typical prices for a you know an average size home, say in upstate New York or, or Long Island area? Yeah, yeah. So uh, what you just described is our uh, is our unicorn. We call it the cut and slide. So everything's mm-hmm. ready to go. The distribution system's in perfect place, and we're just cutting that furnace out and <laughs> sliding in that geothermal heat pump. And and Throw those a few holes, huh? <laughs> yeah, and those are going to be the most cost effective systems. And um, that your the cost to the customer varies by region because of the yeah. there's an incredible range of incentives that are available. But you were in the right neighborhood and that thirty five to forty thousand dollars on the top line. Uh, but in say Con Edison territory in New York State, single five ton system, you could end out under twenty thousand dollars by the time you receive all of your uh, your direct rebates and incentives. So when you think about that, and you think about by it, at the same time for that twenty thousand dollars you know, maybe reducing the operating cost of that same house from the oil system that was there by 3000 maybe even $4,000 a year. Oh, wow. It adds up pretty quick. Yeah, you, you said know. four or five years that you're right there. Yeah, and then, and you know, a lot of times you might be repla- approaching the replacement cycle anyway. Yep. So try to get a brand new oil furnace for less than eight ten grand. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen, or a new air conditioner. So if you need both of those, it's almost an apples-to-apples install at this point in this part of the country. Well, and you also mentioned the, the the rebates. Can you guys talk to me a little bit? I know down here in Long Island, it's PSE and G. You have Con Ed. You got NYSERDA. Once you get upstate, you know things like that. What's out there? What's available for people? So here in Long Island, uh, PSEG territory, you're talking rebates on the order of two thousand dollars a ton if they install equipment that that qualifies, right? Which is really nice icing on the cake in terms of making the system more competitive, more affordable. And then. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah. So uh, in addition to those utility rebates, which every utility in New York State offers a rebate, uh, the worst of them is about $1,500 a ton, uh, and the best can get up as high as four dollars to $5,000 a ton. Oh, wow. Um, so Where do I have to move for that? <laughs> you got to come to Westchester. Oh, Westchester. baby. Yep. And, uh, and so those incentives are really good. And like I said, that, that comes right off your price. You don't have to front that money. We get directly rebated as an installer, as do other licensed installers. Um, but now you also have, in New York State, you have a uh, New York State tax credit uh, that's capped at $5,000. So every geothermal system that goes in, that homeowner will get a $5,000 New York State tax credit. Um, and then you have a federal tax credit, which through the recent passage of the Inflation Reduction Act has been locked in at 30% of the entire system costs, and that's been locked in for 10 years. So, and you have five years to realize that. So even if you don't have tax burden in the first year you own your geothermal system, uh, you can you can uh, take advantage of that over a five-year period of time. So when you look at that, thir- you know, about 35% of your system is paid for in tax credits, and then another 20 to 30% can be paid for in rebates, and, and now you're looking at Pushing conventional HVAC. Half to over half of it's paid for. Yeah, exactly. What's available. Oh, that's <laughs> just got to get people to realize that and understand that. How do we get the word out? Yeah, well, I, I think uh, PW Grocer Podcast is a good way to get. Oh, the word okay, out there, I appreciate know? that. We're, we're trying, <laughs> we're trying. You know, it's it's, but still, it's you, you got to reach a, a broader audience and you know, get people more engaged on it. And um, I, I know we can't. Uh, well, we could, but we could <laughs> get a plane with a banner at the beach at the Fourth of July to fly over. You know, but um, yeah. there's got to be better ways to, to to connect with the the public at large and let them know that this is out there. It's available to them. You know, I, obviously everyone's got different financial situations, but if you can afford it, the savings in the long run is just, uh, you know. Um, it depends, again, how you're going to use the system. You know, if you're running it in air conditioning and heating, you know, you're going to get more bang for your buck on the return end. But what kind of energy, you know, do we see 30, 40, 50% savings compared to our conventional systems? 
what do you guys typically say? Yeah, I mean, it, even in a new system, so if I'm comparing to, say, uh, new construction, low load, you know, relatively high-performance Energy Star home, that when you compare against air source heat pumps, a high-performance air source heat pump, we're going to see a 30 to 40% improvement in efficiency over that piece of equipment with geothermal. So um, that's sort of my baseline. In a cold climate, 30%. Even in a moderate climate, say California, which we've studied pretty closely, you're going to see a 25% performance gain there. And when you're talking about retrofit, a lot of times somebody has a 70, 80% efficient oil furnace that's oh, yeah. on its last legs for yeah. 20 years. You're going to see 75% plus performance and savings on that. Wow. So the, the range is pretty significant. It's almost never less than 30%, though, no matter what you're comparing against. See, that's, this is funny. Just today in the office, one of my coworkers was asking me, so what's the next project in the house, right? You're always doing something, right? <laughs> so I said, oh, we just resided and re-insulated a few things. I, you know, I got to build up some cash reserves, but uh, I think I got a good idea what I want to do next. It'll be a no-brainer for you if you have oil uh, in that house. I do. I yep. do. I just don't have the forced hot air. It's baseboard. That's that's what. I <laughs> well, interesting. The there are there are solutions for that. Uh, we offer a ductless solution. Uh, it's a VRF geothermal heat pump. So mm-hmm. it looks it looks and acts a lot like what most people would consider a mini split air source heat pump yep, to be. Yep, yep. Operates with wall or floor cassettes uh, on a room by room basis, and um, has a conventional you know really actually high performance variable speed uh, heat pump. sits in your basement and ties into a ground loop, and you get all the advantages you do of an air source heat pump, but uh, with with the, you know the ductless application and the efficiency of geothermal, this is. I think I have my next project in mind. I was thinking about <laughs> a bathroom redo, but now <laughs> it might be the heating and air conditioning. <laughs> we'll see. But and you got you, you keep beating me to these questions. I was going to ask how does these things you know how does like the, the closed loop system perform in in the extreme hot and cold and you, you know compared to the the air you know source heat pumps. You, you just said it. The the efficiencies. Especially in a hot day with the with the air conditioning, you know, I, I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those yeah. things struggle. Yeah, that's the the beauty of geo. That's right. right. Is you always have access to the the constant earth temperature. Uh, doesn't really matter if it's really hot, really cold outside. It's the ground's going to be doing the same thing, and you can always rely on being able to draw heat from that in the wintertime, even on the really really cold days, and and reject it outside in the in the summer. So, and we are getting close to the end here. I don't want to keep you guys all day, but. Um, you know, how do you guys go about um, evaluating an existing home for a retrofit? You know, what's what's the process? Say somebody calls up Dandelion and says, hey, I, I'm thinking about geothermal. Can you guys come take a look? What do you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's an area where we've, you know, in our efforts to make this more accessible to more people. Um, and this was, this sort of stemmed from uh, COVID also and and, and how we could continue to operate when the when COVID first hit we have launched a virtual survey process. So at a really low lift, uh, we take advantage of some technology where a customer can take uh, about eight photographs of their house and upload it to a platform that uses satellite imagery and builds a 3D model of that house that's dimensionally accurate. And um, wow. And then by answering a few simple questions from us regarding the construction of their home, the, how, with the quality of the thermal envelope, we can make a pretty good estimate to the load of that building without setting foot on the ground. So the first thing we do is a virtual survey. We do thousands of those every year. It's a really low lift, inexpensive. Any customer could call yeah, in and yeah. have us take a look at their house. Um, they would work, then you'd work directly with one of our energy consultants to put together budgetary pricing. And if everything's looking good and that customer's enthusiastic about it, then we schedule a boots on the ground site survey where we go out and, you know, 
examine the electric panel and the quality of the existing distribution system, ductwork if they have it or not, verify the insulation assumptions we made in that initial pass, and um, and then design and you know evaluate you know um, access for rigs and where we might drill and tie in location and all the details of construction, and um, and you know and put together pricing and and get it going that way. So we're able to evaluate your house from upstate. Down here. Uh, this is great. Yep. This is making so. it all easier. Yeah. Yep. And the other question is, um, you know, we talked a little bit about sort of the geographic range, right? Do you guys cover the entire state of New York, or is it we, uh, all the way up to the Canadian border and out to Buffalo? I know you're down here in Long Island. Yeah, not not quite. Um, we have uh, we do all the Hudson Valley, so okay. basically the capital region and anything within an hour hour and a half of Albany is uh, is sort of the northern and western reaches of our territory, right down the Hudson River Valley. Um, and out onto Long Island, all of Long Island, and then also all of Massachusetts um, and all of Connecticut. What about New York City? Do you guys do it in the five boroughs? We do not do it in the five boroughs. Okay. And, uh, you know, union, are you guys union, non-union? How does it work with the drillers? Uh, We are a non-union shop, um, and our uh, subcontractors, by and large, are non-union. We do have one installing partner who does union work. Um, and we can accommodate prevailing wage jo- jobs and installations as needed, but our shop okay. is non-union. And, and I, I just tons of questions keep coming, and I, <laughs> I don't want to run this thing on too long. But what's the largest project you guys have done? Say, like you know, number of boreholes or tonnage. What's what's the biggest project Dandelion's done since 2017? I don't know if I can answer that. Um, it's all been residential. Yeah, right? but. We got some of those houses out in the Hamptons. Yeah, if you're doing any of those, houses. there's some really big ones. We had a, uh, I know one in particular, uh, I won't say the customer's name, but I, I worked on the design quite a bit um, in Westchester. And he had nine heat pumps in a 17,000 square foot, 150 year old stone building. Um, and I don't remember the exact number of bores on that, but it was quite a big bore field. Multiple big bore system. fields tied in, three different tie in locations, you know. 15 plus bores. So that was the biggest single family home that we've done. Wonderful customer. And, uh, you know, he took that place off of oil. I mean, we're talking about a dining room with 17 foot leaded single pane <laughs> glass windows. Uh, so that his, uh, his savings were astronomical. I, I can't even imagine right what, what the house costs, but to heat it. Oh my God. Yeah. So that, I think that's the biggest to date, uh, for, for a residential application. So. And is there any job that's too small for you guys? I don't think so. We can we can go right down to uh, you know a ton a one ton heat pump if so you have I, a really high, I got a, I got a double wide trailer and you know no problem. You guys would hook it up. We don't necessarily work on trailers. You need to have a you need to have a permanent foundation or okay. to be locked in so that we can uh, so that we can do the work. But we have done quite a bit of work on modulars. We can do above ground tie ins. So if you have a slab on grade house, that's okay. Okay. Um, so. Just about anything. Um, we've we've done a number of two-ton systems, and actually, in new construction, a lot of the stuff Ryan and I are working on um, townhome developments. Some of those middle units that have very little exterior wall space, those are one-ton systems in those houses. So, and how much interior space do you guys need? You know, I I, I know, but um, for you know, if we have a header coming in, or if we've got some circulator pumps, about how much room? About as much as it takes up for your boiler, or what? Yeah, pretty standard mechanical room, right? Okay, four foot, five foot, square. Is enough for us to work. Yeah. On, yeah, the, t- on a typical home. On a typical home. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. The package heat pump looks and acts like a furnace. Um, the split unit might have a remote located air handle oh, in the yeah. attic and, a, and a, just a cube in the mechanical room, but it doesn't take up more space than conventional. Yeah. 
Man, this is a very compelling argument to do this, say, <laughs> on all points. Uh, guys, what, anything else we, we didn't cover today before we sign off that you guys want to mention before, you know, for, for our listeners' benefit? I think one thing we, we didn't cover uh, is just the resiliency of the systems, right? Something worth mentioning. You know, a uh, geothermal heat pump is going to last twice as long as a conventional system. So a furnace, air conditioner, air source oh, heat yeah. pump, right? And that's just the mechanical equipment. And then everything that you install outside in the yard, the buried infrastructure, that's a permanent utility on, on the property, right? Uh, manufacturer's warranty on the piping that you install in that part of the system is 50 years. Yeah. Um, it'll outlast the building itself. So really future-proofing your house when you make the decision to incorporate it, you know, to, to make the switch. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I, and I'll add one other thing, too, is just the, the comfort of geothermal. You know, as we're transitioning to high-performance, high-efficiency, electrified heating and cooling solutions, um, it's, it's been a challenge because there is a perception and, in some cases, a reality that you have to sacrifice on comfort. Lower distribution temperatures from air source heat pumps, especially on cold days. Oh, yeah. Um, and with geothermal, you don't have to sacrifice that because you're using the constant temperature of the ground and therefore you have a relatively constant distribution temperature. So it can be negative 20 outside and you can keep your home 72 and be just as snug as you would have been if you'd had a fossil fuel fire in there. So, I, And I love it. And, and, you know, the other thing I always say about the geothermal, it's uh, no knock on the solar or wind, but if the wind's not blowing and the sun's not shining, geothermal's still working. Yep. Right? Absolutely right. As you said, the constant temperature of the earth. Yep. If you get down a few feet, it's pretty steady yep. year-round. So that's what we rely on. All right, guys. I really do appreciate you coming in today and taking the time to speak with me and, uh, and share your, your expertise and wisdom with our with our listeners. It's been super informative, and uh, I've enjoyed it. And I hope hopefully everyone else that's been tuning in and listening has as well. Again, we had uh, Ryan Sarda with Dandelion Energy. He's a principal engineer. And we had Wyatt, Wyatt Roberts, a, the senior director of business development or channel development, yep. as we could say, uh, also with Dandelion. And, and guys, uh, lastly, me, it was Paul Boyce. He's CEO and president of PWGC and the host of the Environmental Echo. And we do appreciate everyone's time today. And again, lastly, if you need to get a hold of us, that website, I won't repeat it. So go back to the beginning and listen. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Paul. That was fun. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of PWGC's Environmental Echo. You can download and listen to this episode on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or by visiting our website, www.pwgrocer.com backslash podcast. For more content like this, be sure to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you never miss an episode.